Good morning and welcome to our Daily Word and Prayer. My name is Tom Short, so glad to have you along with us today. So we get into the Word of God, talk about it, talk about it in very practical ways, pray over it, and trust that the Word of God will transform our lives. The Word of God is living, active, sharper than any two-edged sword, and it can change us from the inside out. It is our hope. This week, we're talking about certain money principles, and I've got some things that have worked for us, worked for Roz and I, to help us in life get to a, a fairly good place. And I'd like to share them with you. And they're good. It's never too late to start with these, nor is it ever too late to teach these to your children and grandchildren. And these are things, as we'll see today, that you can never start talking about too early with your children and grandchildren. And so what is our Rule number two for financial, long-term, God-given, common-sense financial success, and that's this. Always stay married to the same person. Remember yesterday, the simple rule was uh, live on last year's level of income, not next year's. Avoid going in debt. Have a cushion. Save up some extra money. Be prepared for the unexpected. Today, I'd like to talk about always stay married to the same person. Now, it's really important to understand, and as I'm sure some of you may know, and I hope this is not meant to discourage anyone who has violated any of these principles. Some of us have gotten along in life, and we haven't lived this way yet. Again, it's never too late. Nothing I share with you today is meant to discourage you. Learning to accept where we're at, and then look for solutions rather than be discouraged about the past. And if you've been divorced or if there's been a family breakup that has caused you financial harm, that's tough. It's hard. It's discouraging. It, it has long-term consequences. But can I encourage you? I, I really urge you not to let anything I say discourage you today, but rather to help you look forward to the future and to hope that God will use you and your situation, if it's been difficult, to encourage others not to make the same mistake. This is important to understand. Nobody's perfect in life. We all make mistakes. We all have sinned. And sometimes the consequences can be quite bitter. Rather than just think about those consequences, it's important that we use our life testimony, even if it's a negative example, to encourage others to walk a different path. And God will bless you for that. And he can take even your, your mourning and your ashes and turn them to shouts of joy and encouragement. Amen? This is an interesting chart I found. It's kind of old. It's from about 25 years ago. But I doubt the figures have changed that much other than the numbers might have changed some. For those who are listening on the podcast and the Apple, Spotify, or Google platforms, I'm showing a chart right now that says the median household wealth for persons aged 51 to 61 by marital status and these figures come from 1995 so the numbers may be a little bit probably significantly higher today but the median household wealth for married people in this chart $132,000 widowed people about one-third of that $42,275 never married even lower $35,000 Divorced, even lower, $33,000. 
and those who are currently separated, their wealth, $7,600. Wow. What do we see? We see divorce is expensive. Divorce is expensive. It eats up your wealth. It does more than just separate it. It gives a lot to the, to the doctor. Excuse me, not the doctors, the lawyers. Maybe the doctors, too, because it can affect your health. But the lawyers eat up a bunch of it, court fees. Divorce is expensive. It's not, sometimes we think, well, it's the easy way out. It'll get over all of our problems. It's, it's uh, you know, it, you'll be happier. Divorce destroys wealth. Be careful about thinking that's the answer. Divorce is expensive. Work out your problems as best you can. Bring them to the Lord. Help God give you, let God give you peace so you can have peace with others. We've talked about this before on this, on our morning uh, daily word and prayer. We've talked about how if you have peace with God, you're able to have peace with others. If you don't have peace with God, it's hard to get along with other people. And so you start there. You get peace with God. Then you so much more power and strength to have peace, get along with the people you once loved, but now you're having difficulty loving, and you're living under the same roof with them. This is where you must invite God into your marriage. Invite God into your life. Invite, invite Him into your finances and ask God to take Maybe something that has been messed up, maybe you messed it up. Maybe your spouse messed it up. Probably both of you had a part, a part in it. If your marriage is messed up, to ask God to bring, to invite God in and say, God, this problem is too big for us now. We need your help. We need you to be involved with us. Divorce is expensive, but the other side of this coin, you'll notice, is people who are even never married. Essentially, their wealth is about one-third of those who were married. And this, this is another very, very important principle that we want to see here. And that is that God, that, that fam, for some reason, people who get married and have families do better financially. There's a lot of ideas about why. I don't know if we know exactly. My personal opinion is, and it's come somewhat from my own experience, I got married at age 20. And... I realized early into my marriage, personally, I wasn't employed when I got married. I didn't have a job. We'd come off a summer mission project, so I came back from, from this, and I had to look for a job then. And I had to learn real quick that my bills got a lot higher, and my wife got pregnant like in month two, and so I had to, it was all on me, and I had to grow up quick. I had to be responsible, and then we became what I call silks. If you've ever heard the word dinks, it's not meant to be derogatory. It means double income, no kids. My wife and I were silks, single income, lots of kids. We had five. And I had to learn how to hustle. I had to learn how to make ends meet. We had to learn how to be careful with our money. We, had to, we couldn't just buy anything we wanted. We had to save. We had to be careful. We, we had to trust God. We had to learn to pray. We had to learn to trust God to provide us. And we learned often to pray and ask for God's provision. And we still need that because God is our source and God is our provider. And so there's something about the responsibility and knowing that there were children dependent upon me. You see, that's the big difference when, when, you know, I, I'm, when I was a single guy, I could 
sleep on the floor. I could eat, you know, powdered milk and cornflakes. I could, I could get by on just about anything, and I didn't have any problem. But when I got married and a wife depended on me and children depended upon me, that, that was a wake-up call to me, and it forced me to become more intelligent financially, more uh, industrious, more disciplined, to take responsibility in that. Now, that's not saying you can't do that if you're single, because I know, I know people who listen in here and are part of this podcast, uh, live stream podcast who are single, and they've been highly responsible and very faithful with their finances, and, have been, and God has prospered them. But generally speaking, when we have the responsibility for others, it motivates us to be better at our stewardship. What do we learn from this? Several things. Of course, one thing we want to learn is avoid the adulterers. Proverbs chapters 5, 6, and 7 talk a lot about, I mean, the early chapters of Proverbs, this instruction from a father to his son. And he's not talking about his toddler son. He's talking about his, you know, adult son as he's growing up in his seniors and into his adult. And he warns them, son, keep your way far from the adulterous woman, the strange woman. Do not go near the door of her house. Don't even get tempted. Lest strangers, look what will happen, lest strangers be filled with your strength and your hard-earned goods will go to the house of an alien. This is what happens people when they commit adultery, when they stray from their marriage, when they, when they end up getting divorced. Their hard-earned money that maybe they'd worked years and years and years to accumulate some savings and some wealth, it gets destroyed. Sometimes it gets destroyed, stolen from them, taken from them from a home wrecker, shall we say. And I'm not putting all this on a woman by any means. I'm just saying this. Anyone can commit adultery. Anyone can be unfaithful. Anyone can mess up their family and the finances. But when you do, when you do violate God's moral laws and there is adultery involved and you think it's just, oh, a moment of pleasure, no, there can, you reap what you sow, and there can be long-term consequences. There can be long, doesn't have to be. There might be forgiveness. There might be reconciliation. A marriage might be saved. But beware, beware, because often they're not. In chapter 7, it says of this person that he gave in to some temptation. He just said, I'll, I'll just walk for a while. I'll just talk with her for a while. I'll just kind of uh, look for a while. And before you know, it says he was like an ox led to slaughter. Wow, that's happened to so many people through adultery. They, they're like an ox led to slaughter. Their life is destroyed, and with it, their finances. And indeed, what, what maybe was spent years and years and years to generate some savings and some wealth and some investments can be eaten away like the ox of slaughter. Avoid it, avoid it. I want to stress also, though, it's important in life and something that, that God, we understand that with God, the primary financial unit is the family. It's not the government. We often think that the government controls all the economy. Obviously, they have a huge effect upon it. But you need to have a strong enough family that no matter what the government does, you're strong and stable and you're, you're protected from that. And also, sometimes we think of it as just the individual. I know married people who have separate bank accounts. One pays these bills, one pays that bills. They've got their own money. 
No, we've got to see that you should be a family. You're one. That you leave father and mother, cleave to one another, the two become one flesh. And, then, and in a marriage, in a family, we want oneness as much as possible. You're a team. Teams are always more successful than individuals. Working together as a team. Teams enable you to see things you might not have seen. There have been more than once that Roz and her caution, I'm a risk taker, and her caution has prevented me from taking unnecessary risk that would have cost us a lot of money. Involve your children when they're young. Teach them about money. I grew up, we never talked about money. I have no idea what my dad earned until after he passed away. He died my senior year of high school. That's the first time I had any idea how much he earned or how much our house cost or how much the house payments were or, or how they got a car. I was a senior in high school before I was beginning to learn any of this, and that was only because he passed away and I knew what his life insurance was. Folks, uh, can I encourage you? Talk with your kids about money. This is so critical to their life and their success as a family and as an individual. It's not, don't just assume you send them to high school, you send them to college, that's all you need to do. Talk with them. Share with them what's worked for you. Share with them mistakes you've made that did not work because everyone makes mistakes. I've made plenty of them. And by passing some of those bonehead financial decisions on to my kids, hopefully they will avoid those mistakes. Amen? Talk with them. Uh, with, with our kids, we helped them when they were young. If they wanted something, we talked about how they could earn it. The legendary stories in our family is how we would, they would want to get something. I say, great, Saturday morning, we'll go down to Krispy Kreme Donuts. I'll front you. We'll buy 50 dozen donuts, and you go out and sell them door-to-door, -door and you get to keep all the profit. You have to pay me back. That's the way it works. But then you keep all the profits. And indeed, there was Dad driving him through neighborhoods, maybe four hours on a Saturday morning, 8 till noon, before they'd sold their donuts and they came home and they'd made their money. Folks, teach these financial principles to your kids. Our kids are older now. We, I still go into, we talk about money. We talk about their uh, investments. We talk about their job. We talk about how they're doing. This is a vital part of life. See yourself as being on the same team. You're an economic unit and stand together. Don't be a bunch of individuals. You help them when they're young. The time will come, folks, when you're older, you'll probably need their help. It'll be really helpful if, they, if you've given them your wisdom that helps them prosper later on when you are in their need. So here we go. Father in heaven, we thank you for your plan, and we thank you for how you have established in your kingdom the importance of the family. I pray, Father, that we live in a culture that wants to, we, that the government wants us to trust in them and look to them as our provider. You're our provider. And it seems like so many cultural, so much cultural pressure to just all be individual, to have separate finances from one another, to keep our finances secret from one another. To, Lord, I pray that as families, we learn how to be one. We learn how to be united. I pray, Father, and I ask in Jesus' name that all, every one of us would prosper. Lord, that we would be, we live in a free country, and so we'd be diligent, hardworking, intelligent, smart, uh, industrious people, that we and our children and our children's children would prosper. Help us, Father, who are older, who are parents and grandparents, to know how to encourage and inspire 
and stand with and, and, and help our children. Lord, I pray today for those of us who have, uh, I pray for the marriages here. Put a hedge of protection around them. Protect them, Lord, from the, the awful destructiveness spiritually, emotionally, and financially that comes from divorce and separation. I pray, Father, that our families that come here every day would be strong, be encouraged, that there'd be great love in the home. We pray, Lord, today, I pray for those who, who have suffered through a divorce and separation. Oh, Father, heal wounds, heal hearts that are hurting, maybe from many, many years ago that are still hurting. And I pray, Father, that you'd bring peace and healing and wholeness to every one of us, even if we've made terrible mistakes in our past. And I pray, Father, for each of our children, and I pray that those who are really doing well and strong, Lord, continue to bless them, keep, keep our lives close with them, help us to encourage them, protect them. And we pray, Lord, for children and grandchildren who are straying, who are uh, embittered, who are, who've gone the wrong path, who are, who are walking a path of destruction. And Lord, it's they, they're, they're walking it not only spiritually, but probably maybe their finances are suffering as well, and their children and their family. Oh God, have mercy on them. Help us to love them. Help us to know when to speak up, when not to, when to challenge them, when to be quiet. Help us, Lord, to, we, we pray for wisdom and discernment and, and grace to know how to really continue to guide our children, not only in their youth, but even as they become adults, and to build bridges and to inspire them and to break through barriers that, that maybe are, are strong and stubborn. We pray for these things. We bless you in Jesus' name. We thank you for all your ways. They're right and they're good. and We want to live by them. And we thank you that as we do, your blessing is abundant upon us. We pray this today in Jesus' holy name. Amen, amen, and amen. Hey, thanks for being with me today. I hope you come back and join us regularly. We're coming here every day, live at 8.30 a.m. Eastern Time. But you can watch the YouTube anytime during the day. Or Actually, I'd never take them down. They're up from, you know, the last two years almost. And you can listen on the Apple, Spotify, and Google platform. I hope you do. We want to be strong Christians. And we've got to have the Word of God really built into us if we want to do that. We're inundated with so many ideas. We're talking about money. My goodness, we're inundated with worldly concepts of money and some of God's principles in this area as well as all areas of life. They're so simple, so simple. And if we live by them, the blessing is so abundant in time. Sometimes it takes a little time before we see the blessing. Just like any seed, you plant a seed, it doesn't grow the next day. But boy, every mighty tree started as a seed. And might God make you and I mighty, like mighty oaks of righteousness, as it says in Isaiah mighty oaks of righteousness, but you can start by sowing the seed. And that's what we do here every morning. So come with us. Let me sow the seed of God's word into your life and you receive it. Be strong, encouraged, and blessed. So until we meet tomorrow, might God bless you, strengthen you, fill you with joy and peace and his love. Remember, you have something the world didn't give you. Don't let the world take it away from you. God bless you. See you tomorrow. Bye-bye.